Hello, homeschool friends, and welcome to this episode of the Homeschool High School Podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I'm Sabrina, and I'm here today with Vicki. And we don't have Kim today. We miss Kim. Yes. She's doing family stuff that is wonderful and important, so good for her. Yes. But we miss her anyway. Because there's not one right way to do a homeschool high school podcast (laughs) episode. That's right. That's right. Um, so yeah. Oh, and we got, we got news about Quella, the seeing eye puppy who was a part of the podcast so many weeks there. She apparently passed one of her medical screening things that is a part Uh, of her process. So uh she's moving on to yet another stage in the how to become a seeing eye dog process. We're happy for her. So today we're going to talk about one of the most important academic things in any homeschool. The lunch. lunch. Yes. <laughs> it's lunch. For real. Really. For real. Lunch. Lunch. Yes. Yeah. We had a friend who used to talk about that she wasn't sure that her teenage son was capable of going more than 10 minutes without just passing through the kitchen to grab a snack. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oops. Should have turned that off. My bad. So sorry. So, yeah, it's it's... The frequency, the intensity mm-hmm. of the necessity of oh, lunches. Absolutely. And absolutely. That, I mean, that's just real life at home. But then there is the lunch at co-op. Co-op lunch. Co-op yes. lunch is actually the topic of our podcast today. And it yeah. seems silly when you see the title. Oh, but it's not silly. Oh, no. no. Many a beautiful co-op has crashed and burned over, over lunch. lunch. Yes. <laughs> no, for real. Yes. <laughs> So we're gonna try to um, we're gonna try to dig into this very sensitive subject, mm-hmm. and we're going to see if we can pull out some guiding principles for making co-op lunch a positive and healthy experience <laughs> rather than a toxic one that ruins friendships of a lifetime. <laughs> I mean, we're laughing because it sounds so goofy, but we've been there, it's done not that. Funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's let's start there. Why? Why can this be such a volatile space in a co-op? I mean, you know, theoretically, at the break, at co-op, no matter what the co-op looks like, so a couple of families together or a hundred families together, you know, teenagers should be able to go hang out together and have a good time and clean up and eat their food and go back to class on time. And sure. and, the, and the moms all sit around and be happy and, yes. and little angels are singing in the... <laughs> <laughs> the background absolutely that's the way it should it should be work. yeah and instead often what happens is people are unprepared people forgot lunches people all want to use the microwave at the same time people are not sure where to sit people are not sure how to not make a mess with where it is that they happen to be sitting um, people are maybe experiencing different expectations of what table manners should look like or proper um, social skills at lunchtime. Um, Moms are trying to get a word in with their kid over something that they're not happy about before classes begin again after lunch. Or moms are trying to talk to other moms about things that need to get taken care of before they go to the next class Mm -hmm. after lunch. There's so much going on at once because Mm -hmm. you put a bunch of bodies in that space and you try to make food happen all at the same time. 
And yeah, it's just, it's complicated. So we, we have seen wonderful co-op lunches. Like for years when we were a smaller co-op, maybe, I don't know how many families we had. Like eight or nine know, families, yeah. maybe. Um, at lunchtime, us moms would sit together and pray. Yep. And I don't remember how the kids all survived, but they, they were the right mix of kids at that time. So nobody did terrible things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they monitored the little guys, and I, I just don't remember how we survived all that. You know, part of it was that the relationships were already so many years in. I mean, mm-hmm. the house that we were meeting at was a house where probably five or six of our eight families uh, kind of considered it a second home anyway yeah. we all spent a lot of time there so everyone knew where the extra toilet paper was everyone knew where the um you know spray disinfectant mm-hmm. was for cleaning up the counters it, it, it was a very familiar comfortable space and that was that was not something that happened overnight it didn't even really happen at co-op it was that Marilyn was that kind of hostess who had her home open and we had years of yeah, relationship. Yeah, well, and that's true, that, that Marilyn, who hosted it, had the kids over all the time. Mm-hmm. So they were all familiar. But another thing we did when we just had those families is we had a chore list. Yes. And the kids knew what their chores were that week. And uh, so a- after lunch... They would take out the overflowing trash cans oh, yes. and, you know, the you know, make sure things were picked up. And us moms also had chores, too. And that way, everybody knew what was expected. So it was taped up on the wall. Isn't that a lot of it? And, we, you know, we've done other episodes about co-ops and about co-op planning and um, how to have a healthy, happy co-op. And so much of it comes down to expectations. Mm-hmm. If people know what is expected of them... There is much less room for hurt feelings or mm-hmm. for important things to get ignored. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. 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 And then we moved to, we just outgrew Marilyn's house, and we ended up with, you know, a hundred and a half kids, you know. Yeah. And uh, at a church mm-hmm. in their big fellowship hall at lunchtime. And that got to be more complicated because mm-hmm. even if you verbalize the expectations. Not all kids have that same background relationship, and not all of them understand how to do the social skills. Mm-hmm. And even all the moms don't know how to do that, and the, the cleanup and all. So, right. so we learned a few things over time. Right. Okay, so let, let's talk about, just real practically speaking, a couple of different strategies that you could Adopt because there's not mm. one right way to have no. co-op lunch. Yes, indeed. Yes, so you can do the everybody brings a bag lunch, and the expectation is that no cooking will happen, including microwaves. You can mm-hmm. make a no microwave rule if mm-hmm. if you, people don't necessarily have to eat something that has been heated. Yes. So yeah, like mm-hmm. I can remember being a child back in the dark ages and taking a thermos of hot soup in my lunch bag and it would still be like lukewarm when I got to lunch because it was in a thermos. This is true. And it was cool to pick out the thermos and lunchbox every year before school. With their <laughs> cute little cartoon yes. characters on the middle lunchbox. Yeah. Oh, we're dating ourselves. Oh, this we are. We are. But so there probably won't be a lot of character lunchboxes with thermoses of hot soup. Actually, one year... It was the thing. Like, they, the kids found all these old retro lunchboxes. <laughs> Not the thermoses they hadn't survived, no, no, but they, yeah, they found yeah. the lunch. Yeah, so there were a bunch of those. But anyway, they, yeah, that kids can 
just bring their food, which means in the family schedule at home, it needs to be expected mm-hmm. that the teens or whoever's managing packing lunches actually get some packed yeah. and they're there. Yeah. And one of the things that we found once we moved to the larger um, scenario that was a new complication was when you had teens who were driving um, or if you had a, uh, we had a, a little convenience store within walking distance of the church. Yeah. And so then what if they forgot their lunch? Were they allowed to leave? And what if mom wasn't around? What if mom had had to do a drop and go? And um, yeah, so it can, that, that can be complicated as well if you have people who forget stuff. Yeah. What, what's the protocol for forgotten lunches? And that's one of the things we found we had to do is when the kids met, the, the families met with the academic advisors at the beginning of the year, is to discuss, were the kids allowed to leave campus and walk down to the little convenience store and get food? And the parents would sign a piece of paper yep. if it was okay. Yep. And, uh, and then it, it was just... not a question for mm-hmm. anyone else to have to decide. Mom of that kid had made that decision. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was a good thing. And the kids that were allowed to do that thought it was the coolest thing oh my ever. Yes. Oh, my, yes. Yeah, it, it became quite a status thing to have, yeah. to have convenience store privileges. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so if people don't all bring their stuff, you can do a full out together meal. That probably mm-hmm. doesn't work with 150 kids as mm-hmm. well as it works with, you know, a Although, group. you know, the, the, the co-op, you know, we became an umbrella school and our soccer team needed to do fundraisers. And so they had pizza day and people would True. sign up ahead of time and order pizza for the next week and uh and then the mm-hmm. the soccer staff would come in with 400 boxes we had lots and lots and so and the soccer team managed that so right. it was that's it was true good. that did that worked really well to feed a large group yeah and there there are there's something to be said for the old school cafeterias and cafeteria ladies who would make a big mm-hmm. you know of mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff and and it can be done that way too, mm-hmm. even for a large group. Now, for an in-between size group, for a smaller, you know, a house co-op, mm-hmm. um, we, for a couple of years, did lunches all together. Yes. And had a mom who, instead of teaching a class that year, her responsibility was to prepare a lunch for us because she was really good cook. She <laughs> made the world's best chicken noodle soup. Mm-hmm. To this mm-hmm. day, if, if somebody in my house is seriously sick, I'll say, That's is there any way <laughs> you can make us some chicken noodle soup? Yeah. Oh, my. And that was an easy, all the kids liked it. Yep. Grilled, grilled cheese and chicken noodle soup. Mm-hmm. And um, we'd usually have fruit or carrot sticks or something along mm-hmm. with it to, to crunch on. But... Um, yeah, it was something that everybody liked, and mm-hmm. it was fairly low mess. Mm-hmm. And the responsibility for planning and prepping then fell to one person, and everybody contributed financially to make yeah. sure that she was not paying to feed yeah. all these people. And then in, when we had that size co-op, too, once each quarter, we would have an international dinner mm-hmm. where whatever they were studying in history, the kids would all bring something that was representative of that country or history and then share it like a church potluck mm-hmm. and that was, that was fun it was fun yeah some and weird it, food we had over time absolutely and and vicky makes great biscuits and we found a way to incorporate biscuits yeah. <laughs> into every one of those dinners because i mean any people groups at any point in history have eaten bread in some form in so some form, yep. <laughs> 
It's the only thing I can cook, but I'm from Florida. Awesome. In the South, you uh, write a passage yeah. is you have to prove have you to can make, make biscuits. biscuits. So, <laughs> Yep, yep. Okay, so you can cook together. You can all bring stuff, but regardless of how it's set up, you have, you have the... Um, setting it up and making it happen you have the social piece of the of the eating time and then you have the cleanup those are kind of the, the yeah. three big things so the planning and setting up what are some things that we learned over the years that made that a good one one thing was that it was nice to have one person who was overseeing it yeah yeah and that's no matter whether it's a large group or small to have a person in charge mm-hmm. and they are the one who sets the norms Along with everybody's agreement, sure, and uh, and then oversees how things are going and delegates cleanups and so there is a buck stops here. If the kids mm-hmm. have a question, they can ask that person. So it was a it's a fair way to delegate responsibilities. Good, good, good. Space is always an issue, and if you're having a co-op in in a house or in a, a church or a <clears throat> community building or whatever. It needs to be very clearly communicated where food can go, where yeah. drinks can go. Right. Um, is there a place where younger children need to sit where there's not a carpet that's going to be ruined if something mm-hmm. gets spilled? Um, you know, do cups have to have lids on them? I mean, just th- this kind of stuff, those decisions need to be made by the group and then they need to either be posted somewhere clearly or just regularly reminded. But you shouldn't you shouldn't keep things too loose and assume that people will use good sense because what is good sense to one person about food is not necessarily good sense to another person. The expectations do vary. Yeah, and that's that's why planning helps. Like to do all that discussion ahead of time, have a person in charge. And I, I remember what a deal when we moved into the church building where you could eat food became. And uh, so there were kids who had some uh, blood sugar issues mm-hmm. and they needed to be able to eat. So that was part of the process of the setup appointments with the academic advisors. Are there any special needs going on? Right. And you talk about that. And then the expectation that those who didn't have special needs only ate in the fellowship hall because of ants. Yes. And they, you know, they yes. even if they threw their stuff in the trash can, <laughs> Those Excuse little me. classroom trash cans didn't necessarily get um, emptied every yep. class period. And so we found that we had to set the expectations of no food, mm-hmm. which leads to a real story. Is I, I remember in our, our first church building where we were meeting, um, we were trying so hard to make sure the food stayed in the fellowship hall area. We call it the tank. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and we were like Nazis. And one of my <laughs> jobs as as the academic advisor was I could be the bad cop. And, you know, <laughs> kids would wander into one of the classrooms so they could have a one-on-one chat or something and they're eating their lunch. And I'd go, no, don't do that. So I remember there was this one young woman who was new to homeschooling and learning the norms. And part of being a teenager was seeing what she could get away with. And, and it was just, she wasn't a bad kid. She right. just wanted just... to see what was really the rules. Right. And uh, so I was always having to redirect her. And so she and I were not being best buds by about halfway <laughs> through the year. And uh, so one day, it was just one of those hellacious days, and I had a whole bunch of advising appointments, one on top of the other, and I just needed to eat some yogurt for lunch. Oh, no. In the (laughs) advising room. 
And it was one of those rooms that had a big window, uh-huh. you know, and I was sitting there eating it and going, oh my gosh, I am in the wrong room <laughs> eating my lunch for all the kids. And I knew that young woman was out there in the tank. Taking notes. And, and bless her heart, I walked out there with my yogurt cup and I said, I was just in there eating. I forgot the rules. <laughs> and she gave me a hug and I gave her a hug Aww. and we were best friends after that. Aww. So you never know what that's God will do with a special story. Moment. Yes. Wow. Yeah, that's good. And isn't it good for our teens in general when we acknowledge that sometimes we forget the rules, sometimes mm-hmm. expectations shift, sometimes something gets lost in the shuffle, yeah. and we just need to own it and mm-hmm. make it right and mm-hmm. take your yogurt and go. <laughs> yeah. Which it, then that kind of segues into who's the enforcer of the rules. Mm. So, you know, one person in charge needs to, there needs to be a buck stops here, but that one person can't always be monitoring the tank. So very mm-hmm. often in co-ops, there is a mom who's there, you know, volunteering to an monitor. And, um, and that's a very hard job for mm-hmm. some moms. And it's easy to fall into the role of being the Nazi mean person. And we have a whole episode on Mean Moms, mean moms with uh, Dr. Melanie Wilson of yes. Homeschool Sanity. Homeschool Sanity podcast. And she's got yep. lots of good advice. So we'll put links to that episode mm-hmm. in the show notes. Uh, but it, it is like it takes some training and expectation for those poor moms who are monitoring the tank, you know, to mm-hmm. see how things are going. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, how how much do you think it works to sort of orchestrate the social part of lunchtime and how much does it need to just be a little free and loose because this is this is where expectations vary a lot like for the years that the many 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 years that I would do homeschool drama camps in the summer Mm -hmm. um, if they ran for two weeks because in the early years they just ran one week but if they ran for two weeks um, in the during the first week of camp when we would have lunch I would let the kids sit wherever and I would just work the room. I ate with my food in my hand, you know, and Mm -hmm. I would go from table to table and chair to chair and chat with everybody because I was trying to get to know all the kids in the process. And then it became easy to, while I'm standing at one table where these three kids always seem to be hanging out together and they're not really getting to know the other 22, Mm -hmm. and then call over to someone at the next table, ooh, 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 come here, you should hear this, you know, so I would sort of facilitate a Mm -hmm. lot of that the first week. And then the second week, um, I would make them sit according to who their characters were friends with in the show that oh, we were how producing. Cool is that? So, you know, if these were the three nurses who worked at the hospital together, even if they weren't really friends, mm-hmm. they would have to have lunch together mm-hmm. and they would have to get to know one another as characters and mm-hmm. they would discuss their characters' backstories mm-hmm. and all this stuff. But it, it was lovely because the purpose was the show. Mm-hmm. And so they were open to it. Mm-hmm. But I think that outside of that kind of purpose, teenagers really don't like to be told who to go and sit with, who to have their lunch with. Um, that's a that's a lot of micromanagement and pressure. Yeah, it, it's a very challenging thing because a, a lot of adolescents are in that horrible I doubt myself I don't know whether I like myself I, I you know, nobody's gonna like me and so if they don't come into the co-op situation already having friends yeah sometimes homeschool co-ops get the reputation of being very clicky and uh, you know exclusive and mm-hmm. exclusive and um, it, that that's a, a shame so it is. 
Um, so yeah, we, we've got to find that balance. How do, how do we make lunchtime a safe and comfortable place for mm -hmm. kids and yet also be encouraging? Mm -hmm. So we would love to hear everybody's ideas. Oh, yes, please. Because it, it, it's been an evolutionary thing mm -hmm. in our umbrella school. So, you know, being a counselor, one of the things I do is social skills groups and work with teens. So I was always hypervigilant and drove people crazy doing <laughs> But I... I I would make sure that there were games out. Mm -hmm. And if there were games, kids would play the game. You know, yep. It's sitting out on a table and people would just like, oh, this is here, let's do this. Mm -hmm. So it organically just Something made socialization. A pack of Uno cards. A lot of Uno got you, played. You don't know how much Uno got paid. Uh -huh. Yeah, uh -huh. and um, the, the, some of them would do um, as much as they could fit in of... Oh, what's that huge world conquest game? This risk, risk. Uh huh. So the one that can take like a whole weekend. To yeah, play. yeah. So they would get that and get and make <laughs> a huge mess. And so they were all kind of different games that they had there. There were times like if there were um, some challenging things happening in the culture, we would have a lot of coloring out and have coloring mm -hmm. tables for mindfulness and small crafts, yeah, puzzles, jigsaw puzzles. We oh, did that was um, huge. at times when kids were when when there were like trauma things that we were, the, the yeah. hard things that had happened in our community. And it was really healing too. Yeah. And kids who had really never chatted with one another before would find themselves working a puzzle together. And the next mm -hmm. thing you know, a new friendship had started. So it yeah. really does work to provide gentle encouragement yeah. for that stuff um, without making a seating chart for lunch. Right. Now, one, one of the things, and again, it drove a certain number of people crazy, but I would walk through the room um, through the tank at least once during mealtime. And if I found, especially at the beginning of the year, um, a, a loose kid, I would pick them up and bring them and set them with the more... Attach them to someone yeah. who was fairly mature and yeah. who, could, who could handle making a new friend and making it safe yeah. for... And that was, that was just, you just don't want a kid by themselves when there's plenty of kids. But then we found what we could do is train some of those kids who just get it anyway mm -hmm. and give them permission to do that. Like if you give a kid a role, they get excited. So we gave kids leadership roles and say, your job is to facilitate bringing the new kids in. And once we gave them that job, those kind of that kids that had that personality just rocked it and they didn't just do it in the tank they did it in the mm -hmm. classroom and uh, yeah we joked about it as the red rovers because it was like that mm -hmm. little child's game of red rover red rover so and so needs to come over yep. and uh, there are kids who are just natural red rovers and like you said if you mm -hmm. give them that role that's yeah. good for everybody. And the, the win-win on that was those kids expanded their network, which made them happy because they were just that kind of kid. But look, darn good on their transcript. Mm, very good. All right, all right we got to clean up because uh, clean up. So uh. yeah, so before we clean up this podcast at the end here, clean up is where a lot of people's feelings get get mm -hmm. um, hurt, where mm -hmm. things get bent out of shape. Yeah. And again, there's a lot of expectation mm -hmm. that is unspoken and shouldn't be. So mm -hmm. make that stuff clear. Everyone should have some role to play yes. in cleanup. Even the littles should mm -hmm. put their own trash in the trash can. Mm -hmm. um, but it should not be assumed that the same people are always going to do the ickiest parts of the job. Mm -hmm. And it definitely should not be assumed that um, 
this will just organically happen. You, you just got to talk about it. Yeah. And it, it helps if homeschool moms, before the kids ever go off to co-op, reminds their kids that it's polite to clean their stuff up. So it's a family expectation. Now we found that, you know, our, our buddy Kim was a really good light flickerer. Yes. And she would come in about 10 minutes before the end of the break and flicker the lights so that people knew that it was time to clean up and get their stuff packed up to go to the next class. And Kim has that just kind of engaging, non-threatening, non-bossy personality. And if Kim asks you to do something... It's just kind of fun to do it. Yeah, she yeah. It's, somehow her personality just makes a want to. So it was never 100% because as long as you have human beings, there's never 100%. Mm-hmm. But it, mm-hmm. it did help. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a side thing, and this is a pet peeve of mine. So um, it's a pet peeve of mine because I did it wrong for a number of years. And looking back, I wish that someone had put this bug mm-hmm. in my ear. So I'm going to put the bug in the ear of any seventh sister who happens to be listening in. When you're at co-op, whether it's a big co-op or a small co-op, if you and your kid are having a personal issue, whether it's about a co-op class or a paper that didn't get brought or whether it's that your kid forgot their lunch for the fourth time in a row, whatever it is, if there's a parenting thing, um, that doesn't need to happen in front of other people's kids. And if you need to yes. talk to your kid at lunchtime, because that might be the only chance that you really have, you need to take them aside, step out into the driveway of the house or step out into a hallway where nobody really is. It's so incredibly uncomfortable for the other kids as well mm-hmm. as for your own kid mm-hmm. when there's a mom and kid issue going on in the middle of co-op. So, yeah, there. Good, good. That was, that was my soapbox. Yes. <laughs> so then, then practically, just practically, you think about who's going to bring their lunches. You know, if you're packing a lunch... You talk about that ahead of time mm-hmm. so that if teens are doing it, they know when to do it. Yeah, It's part of your scheduling. If they're going to get up early or do it the night before, that teens aren't good at figuring that kind of stuff by themselves. So right. you have a discussion, part of your scheduling for the year. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, so a lot of this boils down to communicate ahead of time, mm-hmm. over-communicate, regularly remind people of the communication that mm-hmm. has taken place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably the key to a successful co-op lunch is communication. Indeed. Indeed. So hopefully that's helpful. If you've had experiences with your co-ops, share about them on mm-hmm. the Homeschool High School podcast Facebook page mm-hmm. or um, on the Seven Sisters Homeschool Facebook page or any place else that you find us on social media because we do well when we learn from one another. Indeed, yes. Yes. So thank you for joining us. This has been the Homeschool High School Podcast from 7SistersHomeschool.com brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.